RadioInfluence.com. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Sitting Ringside. My name is David Penzer, and as always, we are so happy that you are here to listen to this thing we call a podcast. Excited for my guest this week, and we're going to get to him quickly. Uh, He is formerly the Perfect Ten, and now known as the chairman of AEW, Sean Spears, uh, formerly known as Ty Dillinger in NXT and WWE, and... um, Interesting story, and uh, should be fun to talk to him. and And uh, really interested to hear about the differences of uh, the culture of WWE versus the culture of AEW. Uh, and speaking of that, uh, of course, this is another week of the Wednesday Night Wars, um, and WWE. You know, I, I use the word hot shot because they, you know, when you have Becky Lynch start off and Seth uh, Rollins end. Uh, that your show and a whole bunch of cross, uh, you know, cross promotion in between of big names and people coming back like Ricochet coming back to the place that they started, even even for, uh, you know, for for Becky Lynch. Uh, you know, I, do you call that hot shotting or is it, you know, some people said, well, they just on, on social media, they just uh, were going with the angle uh, that, you know, all the co- that the whole company's doing now, which is, you know, which is SmackDown versus Raw versus uh, uh, NXT. I guess a little bit of both. Uh, I'd, I'd say that they were rolling with that, and they were they were hot shotting a little bit. Uh, you know, uh, so they they won the war, I guess, by less than ten thousand, right around ten thousand. Uh, it was a fun show to watch. I, I watched it, and it was a fun NXT show to watch. It was almost like a almost like an when WWE has the uh, the the Raw reunions and all the legends come back, it's sort of like that. But it was the NXT legends coming back, so it's always fun. I, I always love nostalgia, and that was a unique way to show nostalgia. So it was a fun show. Um, I, I predicted last week, not that I like to say I told you so, that uh, WWE Triple H Vince McMahon do not like to lose and that they would do everything in their power to not lose. And so, and that's why I'm saying they hot-shotted the show, and, and, and they didn't lose. So the question now is, as whenever you do a show like that, uh, when you bring back a bunch of people, is, and, and you get a rating from it, the question is always, are those people going to stay and, and watch your show? Are they no fans of, the, did, did uh, Becky Lynch make people fans of Rhea Ripley? Did uh, Ricochet make people fans of Keith Lee? Uh, you know, I could go on and on. And, 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 you know, in that vein are people that are Seth Rollins fans who might have tuned in because they heard Seth Rollins might be there. Are they going to now stay and watch every week live because uh, they are fans of Adam Cole or, or Champa? Um, who came out at the end. Uh, it, it, like I said, it was a fun show, but the, the interesting part when you hot shot like that, or even when you do a reunion, you do nostalgia, uh, it's always uh, a, a, you know, a gamble that that same audience is not going to come back because they're not going to see Seth Rollins and they're not going to see uh, Becky Lynch and they're not going to see Ricochet and all the others return. So, it, you know, look, uh, I've said it um, Chris Jericho put it on Twitter. 
I think uh, Cody Rhodes put it on Twitter. If he didn't, I apologize. Somebody from the office did. And basically, it's the same thing. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, and so, you know, I have, <laughs> for those who like to chime in every week, there I have my fan club of like five people uh, who like to chime in and say that, uh, oh, you know, you're just making excuses for AEW or, you know, when I mentioned the World Series when both shows were down and voila, they both went up uh, uh, the next week when Game 7 of the World Series wasn't on. Uh, you're just trying to make excuses. Uh, I have no, I, I have no, look, do I want AEW to be successful? Absolutely. Does every WWE superstar other than Triple H and Vince McMahon and Stephanie and, and perhaps other office people, Kevin Dunn, want AEW to be successful? Absolutely. They're making way more money than they used to make uh, just because AEW is out there. So, you know, everybody who loves this business, uh, who, 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 who kind of is over the, uh, the, the written promos from the writers and all that and, and likes the freshness of guys coming out and being themselves uh, should, in, should, should root for AEW to be successful. But I don't have a horse in this game. I got no horse in this game at all. Uh, I have an AEW guest on this week. I've reached out to WWE several times uh, to ask for guests, and we were able to get Charles Robinson, and we hope to get more in the future. Uh, they, their talent is very busy, and they have a lot of requests. So I have no, I have no horse in this race for the dozen or so people on social media. By the way, you can follow me at David Penzer, all one word, D-A-V-I-D-P-E-N-Z-E-R, to a lesser extent, you can follow the podcast at Penzer Ringside. And um, I, I have no horse in the race, but I, I do want AEW to succeed. And I would dare you to find me 15 people in this business that don't want a AEW to succeed. Uh, most of them probably have a financial interest in, in them not succeeding. So anyway... Um, so they did win uh, the week, WWE NXT. It was a fun show. Uh, I thought AEW was a fun show. And I, as a, as, unlike other weeks, I really enjoyed the women's match because they put on people that they had built up. And it was consequential because uh, you had two of the top contenders, so to speak, Britt Baker and, and the, uh, forgive me, I can't remember her name, the, the Japanese uh, uh, girl from, I believe, Stardom. And... Um, they had both, uh, uh, both were in line to get a championship match. And so the match meant something. So the, 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 the near falls meant something. Uh, Britt Baker, uh, having a bloody nose kind of made it cool. Uh, and, 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 um, I thought Jericho's promo as always was great. I thought, uh, that you could see a star rising in, uh, in Scorpio sky, uh, who we'd hope to get on here in the near future. We've had Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels in the past, uh, by the way, if you're just discovering this podcast, I suggest and recommend that you go to the archives, man. We, I was looking the other day. We got a lot, a lot, a lot of talent, guys like Terry Funk, guys like Dory Funk, guys like Scott Hall, Jody Hamilton, the original assassin. Uh, it's, it's a plethora of, uh, of, 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 of the wrestling business. So, um, if you're just discovering the podcast and you have a little, I know time is tough in this day because you got podcasts to listen to and, and Netflix to watch. Trust me, I know it's hard to balance the time, uh, stuff on DVR to catch up with. But, um, I suggest if you have a little time, especially maybe during the holidays to check it out, there's some pretty cool stuff on there. Uh, going back, if I don't say so myself. So that being said, uh, I call this week a draw and we'll see what happens next week and we'll see what happens the week after that. And I don't think anybody's going anywhere as far as the two companies. So we'll be talking about this in a year. So 
I wish both the best of success. And uh, my only, if I had to pick a side, my only thing I would say is I hope AEW is successful for the sake of the business. And, uh, but I do not have a favorite. I guess that sounds kind of, uh, kind of doesn't sound right, but uh, I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. And if not, you won't. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, formerly known as the Perfect Ten, Ty Dillinger, now known as the chairman of All Elite Wrestling. I'm talking about Sean Spears, and we want to welcome him to City Ringside. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this week on City Ringside, we are excited to have, he is now referred to as the chairman the chairman of AEW, formerly the Perfect Ten. Uh, I'm talking about Sean Spears and um, looking forward to hearing his story and uh, sit ringside with Sean and chat a little bit. So, Sean, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, let's start off at the beginning like I I, I mostly do. Um, I was doing a little research for the podcast, and I saw that you uh, were a wrestling fan growing up. About Do you remember about one age you you uh, became a wrestling fan and how you got into, uh, the pro wrestling business. Oh, I probably couldn't pinpoint or nail down an age. I think, uh, everybody generally says around five years old, because I think that's probably any kind of young memories people have. It seems to be around that age. So whether that's accurate or not, I'm not sure, but probably around, uh, you know, WrestleMania six, uh, time is, uh, is the time I can really, really remember what I remember most about growing up is, Whenever wrestling was on in my household, I was watching it, and no one ever changed the channel. That's probably my earliest memory of professional wrestling. So it was a family event. No, none of my family watched uh, watched wrestling growing up. No one uh, talked about wrestling growing up. All I know is that they didn't change the channel if I was watching it, which I, as an older man, I greatly, greatly appreciate. <laughs> but no, everybody, everybody was a hockey fan, a hockey fan or a football guy. But yeah, no, I was the only wrestling fan in the house. You grew up in Canada. Was there any, like, uh, uh, by the time you started watching, I'm assuming there was no uh, territorial promotion left. It was all WWF and WCW? Uh, for the most part, you would hear, uh, well, I didn't know about it until later on as, as I'm much older, but, uh, you know, Maple Leaf Gardens had their wrestling. You did hear of WWE, uh, WWF at the time, WWE live events coming back, Hamilton, Cops Coliseum. Uh, places like that, but I had no knowledge of it. And because my parents or no one older than I knew was a fan of professional wrestling, I didn't know that live events really existed until after I got into wrestling, which is pretty wild if you think about it. But yeah, no, it was just, uh, it was pretty much all WWE. Yeah. And you, you would have had the advantage because the president at the time of the of WWF, Frank Tunney was local. So <laughs> um, right, yeah, yeah. I should have just hit him up. He would have probably pointed me in the right direction. Uh, I, I'm. I, I, this is a, a rhetorical question, but I'm. I'm, I'm trying to figure out, uh, not knowing you or your family, whether they didn't change the channel because they didn't want to upset uh, Big Sean, Sean, or if they didn't change the channel because they because uh, it kept your attention as a as a uh, father. Uh, I would, I'm guessing the latter. Cause what, at this point, when, when, when you got kids, whatever keeps their attention, you don't go near it. You don't say boo, but, uh, but that's neither yeah, here. Who knows? I was, uh, my mother was, a uh, was a one woman show until I was about, I think eight or nine. So, I mean, if she saw something that uh, I was clearly interested in, I think she probably just let things take its course and who knows? I might've been a pain in the ass at that time at that age. So she, whatever <laughs> kept me quiet and still for a bit. 
you know, God bless her. She was just going to let that happen. That was before cell phones when you could turn on YouTube and, and they would uh, focus on that. Hey, um, so you mentioned uh, getting into the business. Uh, at what point did you decide that you wanted to become a wrestler? And at what, side, at what point did you decide uh, to make that happen? Uh, I couldn't, again, I couldn't point a defining moment where I said, all right, I'm going to, I'm really going to go for this. Um, I, it was just something I was always fascinated in. I never outgrew, which was funny because that was a term that my grandma would use all the time. She's like, oh, how's that wrestling thing going? I was like, oh, it's, you know, it's going okay, grandma, or it's going through a difficult time right now. She's like, that's okay. You just need to get it out of your system. <laughs> and for some reason, it just never, ever got out of my system. Thankfully, it never did. Um, no, I tried to go to university out of high school about uh, on three different occasions and I was rejected in all of them because my math and sciences weren't strong enough. Um, so kind of by process of elimination going, okay, well, this isn't going to work out and that's not going to work out. I was like, well, I had wrestling school in my back pocket, which is funny because they always say for professional wrestling, you need a backup plan. Wrestling turned out to be your backup my plan. kind of backup yeah. plan. Yes. And because of, you know, process of elimination, it kind of came to the forefront. So once I started on that path, then there was no point in having a backup plan. I can't remember who said it. It might have been Will Smith who said, uh, never have a plan B because it distracts from having a plan A. So I love that. I remember hearing that early on in my wrestling career. So then, you know, once that started taking off, I never, ever had a plan B after that. By the way, I feel your pain. The only reason I don't have a two-year college degree is because I could not pass intermediate algebra. I mean, literally, I had tutors to tutor my tutors. I must have taken it and dropped it like uh, six times between regular college and community college. I just couldn't grasp train A and train B. I was the same. I, w- I was trying to uh, study kinesiology, you know, the study of movement, the human body and stuff. Sure. But again, my math and my sciences weren't up to par. I was getting knocked out by people who had higher percentages. But since then, I've never had to use any math or sciences <laughs> in my adult life. So uh, things kind of worked out for the best. I think. Exactly. I want to know why you have to learn train A and train B because you're never going to need it. Uh, unless you have a job as an engineer where you need to know a lot more about than trains. Um, Hey, 2006 WWEF assigned you to Ohio Valley Wrestling. A lot of the big names in the wrestling business uh, now, uh, even guys like Cena who are sort of uh, moved on uh, full-time at least, have come out of OVW. Um, tell me about uh, being there. Tell me about being around the talent. How, how was that? Uh, OVW was probably one of my favorite times in, uh, in all of wrestling. That's where I kind of cut my teeth. As they say, I learned the most, uh, and I was very fortunate to always be put in a, in a pretty prominent position, uh, during my time there, I always had a storyline or a championship, uh, or there was at least a lot of weight on my shoulders to at least carry a certain aspect of whatever storyline that I was in at the time. Um, so it was fantastic and it, and it was very it was very gritty in a sense where everybody was extremely extremely hard working and there were times in ovw we were running five shows a week five live events i think we would go on a wednesday thursday friday saturday and sunday so you were running a lot and when you're kind of in the foxhole with a certain group of hungry gritty uh guys that just want to perform and want to move up to the next stage of their career uh Great things happen. I thought we had a fantastic television product. I thought Danny Davis, the guy who uh, owned OBW at the time down there, was just you know uh, on his A game, and it kind of forced everybody around him to step up. So OBW was one of my finest memories in all of professional wrestling in a place that I hold near and dear to my heart. 
Yeah, a lot. A lot of people say that, and like I said, a lot of of, of major talent came out of there, including um, uh, Cody Rhodes, who uh, you developed a friendship with. Did you start? To, I, I noticed that you guys teamed up a lot in OVW. Is that where your friendship with Cody developed, and what, what made you guys sort of just get along? Yeah, it, it's weird because, like, even nowadays, like you know, I know me and Randy Orton got along very well because of our roots. He started at OVW, and that's where I started. And that was the basis of our very first conversation. So uh, guys that kind of started in OVW, uh, you know, we, that relationship kind of still holds nowadays if you're still in the industry. Same thing with Cody. Uh, when I first got down there, I, that's where I first met Cody. I didn't know of, uh, of Dusty's children until I knew, you know, Dustin, but uh, in terms of Cody, I had no idea. When I first got down there, he was a very uh, a big up and coming young star, uh, always destined to be a singles wrestler, always destined to be a single star. And he had a great fan following. The only thing he lacked at that time was experience. Sure. I think I came into the door with about four and a half years experience. And what I lacked was a fan following. Um, so we were immediately kind of put together as two young, good looking, in shape, you know, young cats. And that's kind of where things really took off for both our careers and our friendships personally. So uh, you moved from OVW to uh uh, Florida Championship Wrestling, which was the precursor to what's now, I guess, NXT, the Performance Center. How how was FCW different than OVW at all, or was it just same thing, different uh, hotter weather? Uh, definitely hotter weather. I'm in Tampa. I'm in Tampa, so I know. I feel your pain. No, I'm with you, man. I, I live in Florida as well now. Ah. But uh, at the time, at the time, the warehouse wasn't even completed by the time they uh, had shut down OVW and transferred some uh, talent down there because they did the same thing from Deep South Wrestling at the time. They shut them both down, sent everybody to Florida. So right. now you're integrating with a whole new other group of athletes, getting to know people, their styles, how they were trained over there, how OVW talents was trained here, and now we're being trained differently here at FCW. So it was a big adjustment. And it was a fast adjustment. But again, um, you know, a lot of today's stars came out of FCW. Sure. Um, in terms of like how things were, things were, things were good. Um, uh, but again, when you put a great deal of talent into a smaller place, it's uh, much harder to kind of have time to develop, to break through, especially because I believe uh, developmental was then put under new management. I think somebody else up in WWE office wise uh, took over the developmental system and, you know, kind of changed how things went. So uh, it was still a good time. But I mean, in terms of OVW, if I had to pick one or the other, it was OVW going away. Yeah, I've heard similar summits from a lot of people. Um, you had a, a little uh, cup of coffee with the ECW brand. Uh, uh, you got, I guess, <laughs> called up and then you were gone. Uh, I'm wondering if uh, yeah, that I've done my best to try and forget about that. <laughs> so so is that just a situation of, um, uh, you know, cutting your teeth in the development system and then getting up there and it's just not working out and, and walking away or is, was it a disagreement as far as uh, you guys in management or what led to you leaving in 2009? Oh, I didn't leave. I was fired flat out oh. in 2009. <laughs> um, yeah, no, there was no disagreement or a walk away on that one. No, I think I'd just been um, widely considered um, a top prospect in OBW and then once I got to SCW, I think that kind of, I, I'd been in W, you know, extended period of time. I think it was an SCW for maybe a year, year and a half. I think it was time to move up, um, you know, to see what the possibilities were. 
at the next level. The only problem is, is that they they were trying to move a lot of guys up. They were trying to make room either on the main roster or in SCW. So I think it was just, uh, again, not a lot of time to develop, whether it be a persona, um, a storyline, um, you know, even vignettes or anything like that, that is sometimes needed to help introduce a new talent to a worldwide audience. Sure. There wasn't any of that at the time in FCW. And I think they kind of just plucked guys up. You were thrown into the fire. And then if it worked out great, if it didn't, you went away. And unfortunately at the time, uh, it did not work out for me. And this was during a time too, where they were kind of, you know, guys would be sent packing in waves of 10, 15. Like nowadays you maybe hear one or two, maybe a year, uh, leaving the industry or leaving, uh, you know, a major organization back then it was kind of a wild west thing where guys were leaving it. It doesn't. So, um, no, there was, but just to be clear there, I did not walk away. I did not, uh, ask to leave then. No, I was simply cut flat out. So you left in 2009, you came back to NXT 2013. Uh, how did that come about and how much input, if any, did you have in the uh, perfect 10 gimmick? Um, I, well, the second I, I le- uh, was cut in 2009, I desperately I spent four and a half years trying to get back in the door immediately. So it was a very long, long four and a half years. And during that time, I went to Japan and Mexico and spent some time in Puerto Rico and made as much rounds as I could to hopefully get back on the radar. Um, the correspondence that I had with certain people in the company at the time, WWE was very poor, um, uh, borderline offensive, depending on who you asked and who was listening. Um, <laughs> but that's the, you know, in, in my opinion that you're, you have to go through that. Like, you can, you're sorry, but you're gonna have to crawl through shit in order to hopefully get to a better place. Um, but there's going to be that, those kind of times in the industry, uh, hopefully or sorry, luckily with some um, shifting around and NXT becoming, you know, what it is known as today and the performance center coming about and needing more talent and knocking on the door long enough, I was given another opportunity uh, via tryout. And that was coming on the word of some, you know, some people who, you know, whether I get in a lot of trouble for saying their names or not, I don't care because they went out of their way to do it they were for me. But two people, Joey Mercury and CM Punk, uh, put my name on a list of guys that should be looked at. And luckily through that process, I got a second opportunity to try out. And luckily again, uh, things worked out. Yeah. It, it seems like, uh, now that, uh, he's sort of, uh, been on Twitter and social media, it seems like Joey Mercury, who I know a little bit, but not well, uh, really, uh, uh, defender and, and, and one of the people in this business that really, uh, stands up for the guys and the gals, uh, and so it's interesting to hear you say that because um, he's he's just as relevant today on uh, as far as uh, social media and some things that are going on in the business than he was when he was just behind the scenes, you know, pushing you got you and other people. Did did you have any well, input? All I know is what he did for me. Yeah, sure. Did you have any input on on the perfect ten gimmick, or was that just something that creative came up with? No, I came up with all of that, and I wasn't allowed to do it for about two and a half months. Um, no, that was uh, no, that was that was me. That was something I came up with and something I kind of uh, conjured up and through kind of process of elimination and trying some different things. And I'm talking to a few other talents. Uh, you know, I remember sitting on a traveling bus and we were going out of state shows and, you know, Kevin Owens would be sitting at the back of the bus with me and Tim Ballard as well. We're all joking around about, oh, you should have different 10 signs, like different sizes and they should be big and they should be tiny and goofing off and things like that. And you go, oh, I'll give that a shot. And you go out and you try it and something works out. Um, you know, but that was, that was all 
me. Uh, and, and when I was originally pitched it, it was denied for, for quite some time again, due to management at that time. Um, and then once, uh, you know, Matt Bloom, bless his heart, he turned my career around. He saved it and basically said, whatever you have in your back pocket, go ahead, go forward, let it rip. I did. And then, you know, what you know about the perfect 10 is how that all started. So, uh, thankfully, uh, through constant pushing and some good people listening, things ended up working out. January 2017, you were a surprise entrant in the Royal Rumble. How satisfying was the reaction that you received after what sounds like a sometimes frustrating, sometimes rocky uh, relationship uh, with, uh, in, in not relationship, but stay in WWE, NXT, OVW, et cetera? Well, it's not necessarily rocky. It's not necessarily like you have to understand that to get to this level, to get to the level of a major company, AEW or WWE or anywhere that is a major company, it takes a long time. If this, if this industry was easy, everybody would do it, anything all the time. But our industry is unlike any other. It's not supposed to be easy. And that's not only in the ring physically, but more importantly, behind the scenes. There's a lot of times you just have to keep pushing, even though they're going to tell you, I'm going to put a roadblock in it. I'm not going to let you get this far. You're not going to get this far. And really, you can only control what you're capable of controlling for you. So you can turn away. Or you can go over those hurdles. You can go through those hurdles. I never really danced around them. I thought that would take too long. So I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. So to me, that was the norm. Every time I heard a no, I was like, okay, stay mold, stay mold. You'll see. And then away we kind of continued to go. With the Royal Rumble, um, I remember asking uh, uh, Hunter, probably about three weeks before the Royal Rumble came around, I said, hey, what do you think about me coming out at number 10? Because that all started on Twitter. I started seeing some people, um, you know, start saying, oh, it'd be kind of funny or hilarious or awesome if, uh, if he came out at number 10, you know, with the whole perfect 10 thing. Um, and as time grew closer to that pay-per-view, the, the, it started becoming more and more uh, constant, those tweets and those rumblings and everything like that. So I kind of brought it up and they kind of just, hmm, that'd, that'd be pretty good. And then I heard nothing for three weeks until I think the night before I, did a, I had a match against Eric Young. And uh, just before I walked out, he kind of stuck his head to the curtain and said, oh, yeah, tomorrow you're in the rumble. Good luck. <laughs> and then out I went. And, I mean, that's one of my fondest moments, obviously, the Royal Rumble, only because uh, you don't know how people are going to react. You have no idea. Um, you hope. You have all the, all the hope in the world. Um, but to be able to go out there with 50,000-plus people and then watching it back and actually listening um, to the audience, uh, you know, voice their voice their uh, opinions, whether they're positive or negative, is always incredible to, to hear. So definitely one of my fondest moments in my career and one I'll never forget. So you were one of the last WWE talent really to uh, have your release granted. Um, so my question to you is, uh, when, you were, when you asked for your release and it was granted, was it intuition that something might be on the horizon as far as AEW, uh, or was it just pure coincidence? No, that was just uh, about six months of me just really soul searching and figuring out what it is that made me happy in the long run. Uh, at that time, I just wasn't enjoying professional wrestling anymore, which after almost 18 years of doing this, um, I thought was unfair to myself and unfair to anybody that paid to buy a ticket to potentially watch me wrestle. I just thought I was doing them a disservice because I wasn't enjoying it anymore. So I probably wasn't putting on the best performance that I could. 
um, it was a long, it was probably about a six month process of finally deciding to, to go ahead and ask for that release. Um, but it wasn't based on, and a lot of people will say it, it was just, oh, he wasn't happy with his position in the company or, you know, he wasn't getting pushed or blah, 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 blah. At the end of the day, and this isn't just about business, it's about life. If you are unhappy in something, you have the power to change it. It's just a lot of people don't want to take that first step or that leap. Don't get me wrong. I was petrified, scared, uh, because, you know, there's a heartbeat for a bit where you don't know what you're going to do and you don't know how you're going to supplement certain income. And, you know, where I was working before, I was provided with a very generous income. So there were scares and stuff, but happiness will, in my world, will always trump financial gain. It'll always trump, um, you know, a position in a company. As long as I'm happy doing what I'm doing, like you're going to be able to enjoy life a whole lot more. So that's what it ultimately boiled down. Luckily, uh, you know, again, through having a good friend who, um, you know, has made quite a name for himself and continues to, to this day, uh, things ended up, you know, another door opened up and I had the opportunity to walk through. So, uh, overall, just, uh, I guess the timing did work out for, for me personally. Uh, and I think for, for AEW as well. So tell me about the difference. I only have a couple questions left. Tell me about the difference between uh, WWE culture and AEW culture. I hear it's uh, it's quite a different uh, situation, you know, backstage and in the office and that kind of stuff. Well, it depends. Um, uh, so I don't kind of necessarily um, WWE has been around for God, 50 plus years. They're a massive, massive company. Um, AEW is obviously a massive company, but it's starting. It's just starting out. Uh, I'm still getting to know people in certain departments. Uh, the atmosphere is full of excitement. It's uh, guys are going out, guys and girls are going out there right now, looking to put on the best possible show they they can. And the one thing I noticed, the main difference is a lot of talent is getting freedom to introduce themselves to a worldwide audience. There are not many um, restrictions. I don't see papers being handed out. I've never once been told what to say. I've never been handed a sheet of paper sit by somebody I'd never met in my life going, here's what you need to go out there and say. Uh, this is what I think your character should portray. I've never once gotten that, and I've never seen anybody else get that either. Um, so the, um, I guess, the luxury of presenting an authentic self to a worldwide audience is probably the greatest attribute a talent can be given at this time, especially being in a new company, being on a massive, massive network like you see. Uh, it's huge. Um, that's probably the biggest difference, but I mean, across the board, wrestling is wrestling and the female and male superstars of today, their goal, I don't care who you ask and I don't care what else you hear. I'm in the locker room. I've been in both. Their goal is always to go out and put on the best possible show for their audience, regardless of, you know, what position they're in on the card, what they might be going through in their personal life. When you walk through that curtain. It is all about the people that are there in attendance and the people watching at home. That's always first and foremost. Um, so that's never going to change as far as, you know, if you ask me, that's never going to go away. But that's probably the most uh, major difference. Again, we're new. Uh, I'm still kind of getting to know everybody. and I'm still trying to make the rounds like everybody else. But, I mean, you've probably heard more than I have. Yeah, I just, I, I mean, I, I hear it's just a fun environment. And I, you know, I remember when WCW first took off, it, while it wasn't a brand new company, it was a, it was, it was fun. And, you know, I, I just hope that, that, uh, you know, based on your, on the success of the company, and I'm pretty sure based on the people that are, are, are involved that, 
These the, the 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 mistakes of the past will not be made. Uh, WCW name will not be made by AEW. I can tell it's already a different environment, and and it's fun uh, to watch. Uh, this is a marathon. This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. I got you. No, that I got you. But I, w- I was yeah, saying that, that last night. On, fun. Yeah, I was saying that last night on Twitter. I, I got you. Hey, one last thing. Uh, I guess congratulations are in order. You're a newlywed. Uh, wasn't aware of that. Um, how do you uh how how do you and your wife um uh you know have a, a schedule where you know she's gone Monday Friday Saturday Sunday you're gone on Wednesday is it tough and how do you guys make it work? It's not actually as tough as you think. She's uh, her schedule is actually pretty set for the most part, and so is mine. Um, we actually see each other quite a bit, uh, and we're also used to that schedule. So I mean, we used to travel together when we were. Uh, on SmackDown, and then when we weren't, or you know, I think I was up for about a year and a half until she finally came up. Um, you're still in the same industry, so uh, there's an understanding. And even if now that we're in separate companies, I still understand that uh, this is her schedule. This is what she uh, needs to perform. This is what she needs to do. And she, again, understands the same thing about me. And as long as there is support, as long as you know, I'm her biggest fan, and you know, she'll be the first one to tell you that she's mine. Um, I watch when she's on, she watches when I wrestle and it's just a, you know, it just works. And as long as there's a foundation of support and love, I mean, what more can you ask for? So enjoy the wrestling and enjoy a, a wonderful life that we have together. Be interesting to see if you're invited to the hall of fame, but that's a whole nother story. Hey, thanks for your time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm really interested because they, you know, they, they always, uh, you know, even I've been a guest of fit Finley's a couple of times, uh, you know, on WWE buses and, and sit in the section and, and they always have the wives there, whether they work for, you know, or husbands, whether they work for TNA or other companies. So I'm just curious how they're going to move forward on that one. But, uh, you know, I guess that's something that you have no control over. So it'll be interesting to see what happens happens uh uh come next year hey sean i really appreciate your time i know that uh that that it's valuable and uh it was a pleasure speaking to you best of luck in uh and, and best of luck to the company it's fun seeing people having fun again uh i'll just say that as a fan somebody's been in the business for 30 years no i'm having the time of my life now too and i've been in it for almost eight weeks so i appreciate your time worth and i thank you for your time also sir Want to thank Sean Spears. Want to thank AEW for making that happen. And um, interesting story. And you know, I mentioned the Hall of Fame, and and I, I didn't want to keep him on the phone because he had another interview to go do. But um, uh, like I said, I mentioned briefly. You know, if, if you go to the Hall of Fame or you see the Hall of Fame on TV, uh, usually if you have a boy, a boyfriend, and a girlfriend in different companies, or a husband, especially a husband and wife. Uh, they're invited to the Friends and Family Hall of Fame where they sit in the audience. You see them. They walk the red carpet. Uh, uh, I've ridden over on buses with them, with some of them. And um, But this is this is now a different situation where you got um, Peyton Royce and Sean Spears and you have, uh, you have uh, uh, Dean Ambrose, uh, John Moxley, and uh, Renee Young. That, I'm going to guess that, 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 that Sean Spears may get a, uh, an invitation. Probably not, but he may. I'm going to guess that the chances of Moxley getting an invitation probably are pretty slim. I, I would, I wouldn't, I'd, I'd bet the under on that, by the way. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that with so many, uh, uh, couples that, um, are now one, have one, uh, member in AEW and one member in, 
uh, in WWE. So it should be, you know, it's not going to be a headline, but it should just be a fun, interesting, you know, if they do uh, not invite the AEW talent, even if they're married to the WWE talent, it's going to show you how seriously they're taking this, which makes me think they're not going to invite them because I think it's they're taking it very seriously. So I want to thank Sean and um, uh, interesting story, and I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Um, hey, by the way, before we sign off, I want to wish everybody a very happy Thanksgiving. Uh, the, you know, they mentioned things to be thankful for. This show wasn't even my, this podcast wasn't even my idea. Uh, it was the idea of somebody who was a fan who thought I'd do a good job. And I still haven't decided if I do a good job or not, but, um, you know, people seem to dig it and I appreciate everybody that listens. I appreciate everybody that subscribes. Uh, if you like what we are doing, uh, and you don't subscribe, please do. Uh, if you can leave a review, please do. Uh, if you do subscribe and leave reviews and you know other fans that might like the content, uh, be sure to spread the word. And I really, really, really appreciate it. Could have never guessed in the, I didn't even really know what a podcast was when I started this and, um, and, and having a blast doing it. So thank you guys very much for the support of this podcast. And, uh, we, we're going to keep doing this as long as I don't run out of guests, uh, and and as long as uh, as long as people are enjoying what we're doing, so happy Thanksgiving, ladies and gentlemen. Until next week, I'm David Penzer, still sitting ringside. Follow David Penzer on Twitter at David Penzer. Also, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Penzer Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. Radio Influence.